I'm joined as always by Pete Ball. And we're breaking up our rankings discussions a little bit here. You know, we, we, we started off with the corners last week and we were getting ready to go right back in, but we wanted to take a little, a little hiatus quickly from those rankings because coming up next week is supposed to be the auto new keeper deadline that's been moved. It's been moved to mid-February. If you are playing auto new and you're not aware of that, it is no longer January 31st. It is now February 15th. It may potentially get moved again. It was moved because of the lockout and giving time for things to sort of settle out. Regardless of that, we had planned to take a little break here pre-deadline and answer some questions, and we still want to answer those questions. Yeah, we definitely do. And I was surprised. We, we got some awesome engagement there. I really appreciate everybody following the show and, and asking us their questions. I'm kind of excited to dive in. There's definitely a lot of names here that I think are pretty polarizing, even at this early point in draft season, Chad. So I think it will it should make for some good discussion. I mean, some of these questions, I think, are just, you know, interesting players, guys that are fun to talk about. But there are some there's some challenges in here for sure. So We'll have to dive in and get started. So I think we'll, we'll go right in there. And the first question we got was from Seth. He's at S-A-K-E-E-H-L, S-A-K-I-E-H-L on Twitter. Seth is in a league. And this is, so this is one of my favorite things, Pete. We've talked about this all the time. But one of my favorite things, these keeper questions, is that while we've got some auto new questions in here, we also have a lot of other keeper leagues. And every keeper league has its own weird rules and stuff. So it's one of my favorite parts of this. This comes from a non-auto new league. This league, when you keep players, you keep them for three years. There is no cost associated, but you have to keep them. You can trade them, but you are locked in with this guy on your roster unless you can get someone to take him off your hands. And so his question is, he's looking for one of his keepers. He wants to know, should it be Pete Alonzo or Aaron Nola? I'll let you answer first. Sure. So I'm probably going to surprise you, Chad, because I'm going to go with the hitter here. There's a lot of reason to be excited about Aaron Nola. I think a lot of people sort of expect him to bounce back. I I just push back just a little bit and I'm in on Nola. I'm actually probably going to have him on a lot of rosters this year, but like at some point, it's not just being unlucky, right? Like he was underperforming his expected stats pretty harshly last year, but it just happened all season long. And I can give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been so good in the past and he was great in in 2020. And obviously, Aaron Nola has been a player at the top of draft draft boards for quite some time. But when you also factor in kind of age here, Pete Alonso just turned 27. Aaron Nola is going to be turning 29 in June. Uh, So there is a little bit of a difference there. And I think that does matter. And finally, I just think Pete Alonso's skill set is safer. He's still improving. You know, I mean, that the strikeout rate, like we talked about in our last episode, was beneath 20%. And even though that was largely because he was chasing more and so he didn't really see an increase in his batting average, it was still noteworthy that his game is still getting better. The Mets lineup looks better than it was ever before. So I just look at safety and stability here, especially because you're like locked in with this player. That's what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing that stood out to me is if I have to choose to keep one of these two for this year, or even to have for the next three years, but I have the option to get rid of them at some point, sure. it's a tough call. There's there's real benefits to both of them, and depending on what your team needs, the pitcher might make more sense. But, man, I'd have a real hard time being locked in on a pitcher for three years. And you just think, like, not that I expect that Aaron Nola will need Tommy John surgery, but what if Aaron Nola needs Tommy John surgery? Like, what if he, what if he goes down in July 
and gets surgery in September, and you basically lose him for half of this year, all of next year, and you can't you can't do anything. You're stuck with him. And then he comes back, and you're I don't know. You come he comes back for that third year that you've got him, and he spends the first half of that year getting up to speed. So I'm with you on this. I think it would be much more interesting if you weren't locked in. It'd be a much tougher conversation for me. But if I if I know that in, I mean, if I know that in 2024, I have to have one of these two on my roster, I know which one I want to bet on, and it's the bat. And I mean, even the injury thing aside, like it's just the volatility of the position. Look what he did last year. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm willing to get over that with Anola because I'm I'm high on Nola. I think he's gonna have a really good year, but you're not wrong, right? And and I feel like we've we've like flipped here because you're always the one talking up the need for pitching. <laughs> I'm always the one talking up the volatility of pitching. But I'm a fan of of Nola. But I, I agree in this case. I think it's I think Alonzo is the answer. So let's jump to our next question. This one comes from Michael Kirschenbaum. He's on Twitter at m k i r s h e n b a u m. He's in an auto new points league, and he's got two bats that he is debating whether or not they are keepers. The first one is a $60 Bryce Harper. The second one is a $20 Max Muncie. Let's talk Harper first because I think he's a little less interesting, <laughs> and I want to <laughs> save the interesting one. What are your thoughts on a $60 Bryce Harper in a points league? I think I'm keeping him. I mean, if... If anybody's a $60 player, obviously, you know, we're talking like your, your Juan Soto's, Vlad Guerrero Jr., so on and so forth. But like Bryce Harper showed us last year that he's capable of performing in that that range of outcomes. So, I mean, you could take that $60, invest that elsewhere. But at the end of the day, I think you're going to be wishing that you had Bryce Harper on your roster if he continues to tear it up the way he has. I mean, he's been consistently awesome. It's just a matter of what has he been like MVP one of the three best players in fantasy awesome, or has he just been very good? Uh, and so even though it's a, it's a heavy, hefty price tag, Chad, I feel like, I feel like Bryce is the type of player that should go for 60 bucks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've got him and I, I'm working through my tiered rankings of for auto new points leagues right now over on fan graphs. So you can check those out, but I haven't gotten to outfield yet, but when I do get to outfield, I've got Harper as of right now, and I've got some, you know, Stuff gets moved around as we go, but I've got Harper around a 50 to $55 price tag, but that price tag is based on a first year league because every right. subsequent year is different and there's inflation that factors in. You get a guy who's like a 50, $55 guy, like that's, you know, you assume 30% inflation, something like that. Like that's an easy keep at 65, I think, maybe even up to 70 in some cases. It's really hard to replace that production. You can't count on there being a guy like that out there. So yeah, I'm with you. I think there are cases where I might cut him if my team, like if I had a really, really strong outfield and Harper wasn't necessary. I don't know. He's still needed, right? You never have an outfield where you're like, oh, I don't have room for Bryce Harper. Like that, That's not a thing. But if you had a really, really strong outfield and you're really weak at middle infield and you really need the money, I would be shopping him, trying to trade him. Totally get that. And if it doesn't happen, I could see a world where that 60 bucks is more useful to you. But in a vacuum, not knowing anything else about the roster, that's a keepable Harper for sure. Definitely. Speaking of middle infield, Max Muncy, a lot of people were counting on him as a long-term answer for them at second base, at least a semi-long-term, since he may not keep second base eligibility much longer. But he's got it right now. 
This $20 price tag on him is probably about where he is in a lot of leagues. Actually, I'll pull up right now. Let's see if I can find his his average salary. While you do that, I, I do have him for exactly $20 in the pitcher list on New League. And his his average salary is $19.74 across <laughs> all leagues. It's $20.76 in Fangraph's points leagues. $20 is his median. So yeah, this is it. This is This is what people have him for. Well, what are you doing? You've got it for 20 bucks. Are you going to announce your your keeper cut decision right here live on the show? <laughs> I will gladly do that. Yeah, at $20, I feel like I'm I'm still getting value out of Max Muncy, so I'm I'm holding on to him. So I have him in a 5 by 5 setting. So he's he's even more valuable in my opinion in the points setting. You made a great point that he eventually because we're talking long term, he's going to lose second base eligibility. But Steamer does project him for 130 games. So, I mean, they don't know, right? None of us know. But actually, 131 games. So that I guess that one extra game is a lot more important. I mean, we don't we don't know how he's going to do, but clearly Steamer's feeling pretty good about him. And I thought what stood out even more about their projection was not just that they think he's going to be back, but that they think like no, nothing's changed. Like they still got him for 30 homers in 131 games. Obviously, that great plate discipline's not going anywhere. So I'm still in on Muncie. I'm in on Muncie. And I think that $20 is, I guess I'll put it this way. If he were fully healthy, like, it, you know, if he comes out tomorrow and is like, yep, elbow is healed, I am good to go, then he's probably a $25 guy in first-year leagues, which means in subsequent years that $20 is is great. Right. I, I am really hoping we get information about him before the deadline. Because keeping a $20 guy and then having him basically not play, which is very much on the table, is a real good way to sink your season. And for me right now, if I hit February 15th and that keeper deadline and I have no more information than I have today, I don't know. I think I would rather gamble on the auction then keep him and gamble on his help. The reality is I have no Max Muncy's anywhere because I was sort of late getting on the buying in on the hype with him. So I don't have to make this decision. And so it's sort of easy for me to say when I don't actually have to make it. He's been offered to me in trades this offseason and I'm not I'm not interested. I oh just, yeah. So to me, if I'm not interested in trading for him, then I'm not really interested in keeping him either. Yeah, that's a fair way of looking at it. I mean I when I'm looking at him, I'm looking at like, I have him. I've I've maybe planned around him at this point. Maybe in my mind, I still have him at a value, right? If he's a $25 player, first year auction, and I have him for 20, then I'm feeling pretty good about that. But I mean, just to refresh everybody, around Thanksgiving, he said that, you know, when he dislocated his elbow, he tore his UCL and that the recovery was going slowly. And that was the damning statement. But that's that's really all we have to go on. I mean, I think it's important to keep in mind that the National League could have the DH. So if they take it really slowly with Muncie, you know, maybe he does end up missing April or something like that. And then he comes back and spends a little bit of time DHing. And then obviously at first base where there's not that much strain on the elbow, you know, 
maybe they can kind of patchwork it so that they they keep him in the lineup. And, and they're definitely going to try right after losing Seager and coming up short last season. So I, I have a little bit of optimism. If this was a pitcher, obviously no interest cut him immediately. It, and I say that because not to say something stupid, right? We're like, obviously, he'd have Tommy John surgery. Those pitchers who like get a torn UCL and like try to pitch through it and do all this other stuff. It never works out, right? It only worked out to my memory with Masahiro Tanaka. But in this case, Muncie, I'm going to hold on and just just see if he can play through it. Yeah, so there you go, Michael. You get a split decision. <laughs> no help at all. You got to figure it out yeah. on your own. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Chad's been playing out any longer. I'd, I'd go with him. <laughs> I think it's just a question of how risk averse you want to be. I mean, I think it right is, is that's what it comes down to for me is like if I think about what I could buy at the auction for $20 that I can be confident in, would I rather have that than a, a legitimately underpriced Muncie? that I'm not confident in. And it's, it's, it's a tough call. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I go back and forth. I, I could see it either way. I, like I said, I think if based on what I know right now, if I had to make a decision right now, I think I would cut, but that might be, I mean, there's a chance that like you cut him. And by the time your auction happens, it's announced that he's fine and he'll be ready for opening day. And it's a disaster, but you know, we'll see. Maybe in that case, I mean, if you just have to buy him back for 25 bucks, you lost five bucks, but now you have some certainty. That's not that bad. Yeah. And, and that way, if he does, and you know, he does go under the knife and he's going to miss half the year, you probably either get him back cheaper or you move on to something else. So, yeah. all right, let's jump to our next question. This comes from the Twitter handle is at burnedwick, B-U-R-N-E-D-W-I-C-K. Last name looks familiar here. His name is John Ball. Yeah, and he so this is my brother, and he's in this league with me. So like, I'm just going to give him terrible advice. <laughs> he's asking you questions about a league you're in. Yes, that's that's yeah. just awful. <laughs> All right, well, he wants to know he, his question. He had two questions. The first one is Shane Bieber versus Sandy Alcantara. I think he just wants you to relive the conversation you had with Nick on on the corner. I think that's all he wants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, basically, the summary of that was I got Bieber in the third and Alcantara in the fourth, and Nick said if I just flipped those, then he'd feel much better about it. Nick is not high on Bieber, Chad. I, I know that you know I am high on Bieber. If I had to decide between these two, I mean, I know this particular league; it's a shallow keeper. In shallow keepers, I'm looking for ceiling. I think these two have very comparable ceilings, but Bieber has two things working for him. I think, first of all, he's done it for longer, right? And the second thing is that I think he has more win potential. And the only reason this is really a question is because of, you know, Bieber's injury history last season. We're going into last year. So a lot of people, a lot of guys I, I respect, like Scott White at CBS, who I've talked about in the past, had him as the number one pitcher on their board. I had, actually, maybe Scott didn't have, but Scott had him really high. Everybody had him high. It's Shane Bieber's coming off a Cy Young season. So I, I think that's my way of saying that like, he's kind of being forgotten about, if that is fair. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit of, I think it's a couple of things. I think one is people are, in my mind, overreacting to his like two starts at the end of the season where, I mean, he basically came back and like threw some spring training innings for for like a couple of starts and games that didn't matter that nobody cared about. And I think people are overreacting to that instead of seeing them as rehab starts, which is basically what they were. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I think there, there is an aspect also of people forgetting just how good he was. 
Like he wasn't like, you know, a pretty solid pitcher with some upside who then got hurt and struggled when he came back. He was arguably the best pitcher in baseball, not named Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Right. And so I, to me, I'm with you. I, I think this is, I don't even think it's that controversial an opinion to, to prefer Bieber. He's got the higher, the better, lower ADP. The the ADP that suggests people like him more versus Alcantara. Yeah, however we want to word that. He, he is going 29.8 over at NFBC. Alcantara is going 38.9. So, you know, not a huge difference there. But, and, and I, I imagine, you know, Bieber's going, Bieber's min pick is 18 and Alcantara's is 19. So at their peak values, they're very similar. I'm with you though. I would go Bieber, but I'm also a, you know, biased Cleveland fan. So, <laughs> well, I'm not. And and like full disclosure, I mean, I'm in two. Uh, I've done two cash drafts so far, and I have Alcantara in both. Like I'm as in on Alcantara as I can be. I just I, I like him because I think he has a safe safer floor in my opinion with Alcantara. At the same time, I mean, if, if wins is one of your categories, and it's impossible to predict, but this dude basically posted Cy Young numbers across the board and got nine wins. And we can make fun of the category all we want, but so long as it remains a category, that's going to hurt. So uh, it, it's very, very close here. I agree. And I, I think, like I said, I would take Bieber, but I'm not going to begrudge anyone who doesn't because I totally get it. His other question was he had wanted thoughts on Trent Grisham. I am very much on the record as being a Grisham fan. I've got a article that I've referenced on the show like four times from earlier in the offseason where Grisham's troubles really started with a heel injury fairly early in the season. And after that, his his batting eye was fine. His contact rates were fine. Like everything looked good. He just wasn't hitting the ball with the same authority anymore. And I couldn't find anything other than this injury to suggest why that would happen. And I find it hard to believe that Trent Grisham suddenly can't hit the ball hard. So my guess is that he's dealing with, he was dealing with that and he was recovering from that injury and maybe compensating and, you know, who knows what was going on. That injury seemed to linger for a little while longer than people expected. To me, I'm in on Grisham. I think he, I fully expect he is going to be hitting and hitting very effectively at the top of one of the best lineups in baseball. I'm not sure what more you could want out of a guy. Right. And when I, when I think of players who could go 2020, you know, Grisham is certainly on that list. He's not the most efficient base dealer. And that, that could have been last year because of that heel injury that you referenced with that said, still elite sprint speed. And and because he has such a strong eye at the plate, he's going to be on base. So those stolen base opportunities will be there. I mean, I, I also like to look at, and from, from the the efficiency standpoint, right? Like he he stole thirteen and was caught five times last year. Again, might have been the heel injury. He was he prior to that in his brief stint with Milwaukee in 2019 and his shortened season with San Diego in 2020. He stole a combined eleven bases and was caught once. Yeah, so th- th- it's not that he's been historically inefficient. He just was for parts of last year and his his caught stealings sort of scrolling through his game log now. See, prior to that injury, I mean, like in in April, he had one, two, three, four, five stolen bases without being caught. Then he had a sixth. So he stole six bases without being caught was at seven. He was at seven stolen bases with one caught stealing and then 
had six stolen bases with four caught stealings the rest of the way. Again, that certainly sounds like the kind of thing that might happen if you couldn't push off of one of your feet because your heel was bothering you. <laughs> and so like all of this to me keeps pointing back to that. And yeah. Kind of takes me back to our conversation a few weeks ago about Adelise Garcia of like the player X broke out the league adjusted and now let's see what they do. I mean, last year, so in 2020, he had an expected batting average against fastballs of 311. So he did well. It's not predictive, but in 2020, he did well against fastballs. He started seeing a lot more fastballs in 2021, and that dipped all the way to 218. I mean, were were pitchers just pitching him differently? Were they making certain adjustments? He did better against off-speed pitches, whereas he did worse against off-speed pitches in 2020. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird profile when when you look at how he did against different pitch types, but like pitchers clearly adjusted and he was hurt and let's see how he adjusts back i don't think we are patient enough to see the adjust back yeah i think that's right i think it's worth being patient on him i'm still very much in on him let's jump our next question see how many more what we got time to go through at least a couple more here our next question comes from action zach on twitter he is at real zach mason he is in an auto new league. He says it's league 168. So I'm going to pull up league 168. He has a $31 Bellinger and wants to know what to do about a $31 Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I don't. I, I got no good answers for you. So I'm going to make Pete answer this again. <laughs> so I'm, I want to look at this two different ways. One way is looking at just Cody Bellinger and why I definitely expect him to bounce back. And the other way is $31, right? I mean, let's start with that. That's that's pricey for a player who had a WRC plus of like 46 last season. I, and obviously this is clearly a league that's been going on and and, and you're going to have to pay up if you want to get him back in the auction. But I, I don't know, Chad, you tell me. Don't you feel like if this guy throws Bellinger into the auction, he can get him for cheaper than 31 bucks? That would be my first thought. But I'm also looking at this league and there's some... So like I'm looking at this guy's team right now. He, in addition, he, so Bellinger is tied for his second most expensive player. His most expensive player, sorry, his second most expensive hitter. His most expensive hitter is a $42 Christian Yelich, who, oh, geez, good luck making that decision. <laughs> but then he's got a $31 Tatis, a $31 Vlad, a $22 Matt Olson. He's got $9 Adley coming and an $8 Will Smith. So he's, he is set at catcher. Wow. He's got a $7 Randy Rosarena, a $5 AJ Pollock. There's some cheap guys here that I don't understand how they're so cheap. $16 Brandon Woodruff. Well, so there's <laughs> Can another, I have this team? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's some. So I'm I'm very curious. Like, and I haven't looked at any other teams in this league right now, but it seems like prices might be low. And if prices like, so now I just jumped to another team. $42 Mookie Betts, which is pretty low for where Betts had been going recently. $27 Story, $18 Luis Robert, $13 Schwarber. <laughs> $8 Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, he's got a $20 Bieber on this other team. So I, there's something going on in this league where <laughs> prices look generally low to me. And when prices are generally low now, that means high inflation come auction time, right. which changes the calculus on Bellinger. Now, I don't know that I want to have $31 invested in Cody Bellinger right now anyways. I may want him on my team. I get why you want him on your team, but at $31, he has to perform. And he has to perform a, a lot better than he has, but even better like so I'm going to pull up Bellinger's steamer projection right now. So, his steamer projection is for a 339 Woba. 
It's 27 home runs, 332 on base, 471 slugging. It is fairly in line with his 2020, not his 2021, right? His 2021 was a disaster. It is also fairly in line with his 2018. It's that 2019 where he had the 415 Woba, the 47 home runs, just a huge season. He has to, like, if he performs like he did in 2018, 2020, and like Steamer is projecting, he's more like a $15 outfielder than a $30 outfielder. So at, to me, at $31, you're just asking too much of him. And so, again, looking at this league, there are weird things going on with the prices. It is possible there will be a ton of inflation in this league. It is possible that Bellinger goes for $30, $35. Bucks. Let someone else pay it and take that risk. Because I just, to me, if that, like, if you have a $30 Bellinger and he has a really, really good season, much better than most people are expecting, he might still only be worth $30, right? He has that $50 upside. We've seen it. I just think it's unlikely. And so I, I, I to me, for the guy like this, I'm willing to pay for more than he seems to be worth, but I want to, there to be enough upside above what I pay that there's a chance I'm getting a deal. And I just don't think that's there with $31 Bellinger. So normally I'd agree. I look at it. This guy has so much value though, built up on that team. I mean, by, by current standards, there's probably like $500 worth of value on that roster as it is. And I think a $46 Yellick is an easy cut. So when you factor that in, like maybe, you know, Bellinger doesn't meet that $30 price tag, but if there's even a chance that he comes not back to MVP level, but close to it where he's a really solid player, then that could be the 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 player that takes this team from being an already like really good team to an elite team to a championship contender. Now you didn't name a lot of the pitchers. I know he had like a sixteen dollar Woodruff. Maybe he needs to address pitching a little bit more, but you might be able to do that with all the money you get from cutting Yelich. So I I'd be tempted just in this one situation to hold on to him. Most situations, though, if you've got a $30 Bellinger, you're not also rostering, you know, all of those crazy values, which probably means he's an easy cut. Yeah. That's that's fair. So let's jump to our next one. We still got time. I think for maybe we can go quickly through a couple of these. Why don't we try to try to do some like a, a speed round here? All right, Derek, who is on Twitter at Carp underscore Assassin, he's given us questions before. Maybe also on the the Autobot podcast, we've talked about whether a Carp Assassin is a fish that kills people or a person <laughs> that kills fish. I'm not sure. But that's not the question. The question is $6 Frank Schwindel in a five by five league, man, to me, this feels like it is, it is more than I think Schwindel is likely to be worth, but the upside in Schwindel is pretty fun. And, and the only thing that has me cautious about Schwindel is just like 29 year olds breaking out after no major league experience seem weird, but there's nothing in his profile from last year that looks bad. Like there's no red flags except the age. Yeah, I'm in at $6. It's barely above, you know, what is that? 1.5% of your budget. And so I look at what he did since he got called up and the the risk of $6. There's no way I can really turn that down unless I am really penny pinching. Fair enough. Kevin Conlon at Kevin Conlon 12 on Twitter. He's got a list of guys here. And so I'm going to rattle them off for you. He just has auto news. So I'm going to assume this is a points league, but I could be wrong. Let's assume it's a points league. Just a quick yes or no. $5 Christian Javier. Yes, definitely. Oh, see, I'm a no. Okay. (laughs) 
$5 Abraham Toro. Uh, no, just a little too much. I, I think he's probably a little too much. I like Toro, but same. Uh, he, yeah. $3 Josh Rojas. No, I'm finally out. I can't do it anymore. I'm out. So Rojas, I will say this. Rojas was much better on a per game started basis than a per game basis last year. And so I, I'm sort of, I actually think at a $3, I would, I would buy in on him again, especially if you're in an auto new prestige, if you're going to enter auto new prestige league, he's really useful with all that eligibility. $4 Chad Green. If this is a points league, uh, yeah, I'm in. And also like, is Chapman a ticking time bomb there, right? Like, some serious red flags last year. Maybe Loisica takes over if, if Chapman indeed goes down or something happens there. But I think Chad Green is right in line and, to be the Yankees closer, even as a lead of a setup man as Green already is, that's four dollars. Yeah, sure. Four dollar Andrew Kittridge. No, I don't want anything to do with the Rays bullpen. I'm with you on that too. All right, Kevin Pels at KC Pels on Twitter. Again, this is Auto New League. Didn't say which kind, so I'm assuming points. And we're gonna rattle off some names again. Six dollar Nick Senzel. We still in I, the post hype? I can't quit him. I'll have him in a lot of spots, but at six dollars, no way. Yeah, I'm with you on that. $6 Noel V. Marte. Ah, doesn't it feel like he's still a little far away? I think so. It's six bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's too far away for me. $4 Cade Cavalli. Yeah, I'll hold on there. $6 Jamison Talon. No chance. Talon, Talon, I got to get Talon. Talon, yeah. Talon. No chance, you said. Like T-Y-O-N. Yeah, Talon. Yeah. Yeah, no chance. Not at six bucks, no way. It's interesting. I, I like Tyone. I, I agree, though, not at six bucks. $3 Marco Gonzalez. Oh, your boy. Uh, yeah, no. I love Marco. I know you're going to say yes, but absolutely not for me. I, I'm going to say no, even though I love oh, him. Wow. <laughs> you really don't love him that much. <laughs> I'll end up with a bunch of $1 Marco Gonzalez, but I don't think anyone's going to bid on him. Yeah, no chance. No way. And then Nathan Faust, at Nathan Faust, F-O-U-S-T on Twitter, in a Fangraphs points heads to head to head league has a thirteen dollar Dylan Carlson, huh? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm holding on because it's he just showed a little bit too much that I can't I can't quit all that pedigree and and hype and what I've invested in him at just thirteen dollars. If he if he's pedestrian again, fine. But at thirteen dollars, I'm gonna ride it out for 2022. I think I would cut and try to get him back cheaper and be willing to accept the fact that if he goes for 14 or 15 bucks, I just don't care. Yeah, and I'll fair. let someone else have him. That's I fair. think that's where I am, but I could see that either way. We've got one more. This one's going to take more than a lightning round, but we're going to do it anyways. So we get to all <laughs> the questions that we were asked. From the Pitcherless Discord, Ampshire, A-M-P-S-C-H-E-R, he gave us some details on his league. This is the reason I'm doing this is again because I love talking about like weird keeper league rules. And this one has one of the weirdest ones I've heard. And I just think it's super <laughs> fascinating. So basics here 12 team, roto, six by six, OBP instead of average, slugging is the additional hitting category, saves plus holds instead of saves, and innings pitched is the additional pitching category. He's got to find six players to keep. There's a $225 budget. I'm not going to read off all these players, Pete. You can see them in front of you, and we can talk through them, and that'll be fine. Yeah. But here's what's real interesting to me is that their salary structure is that players basically for the next season get rounded up to the next $10 mark. They don't get rounded up by $10. They get rounded up to the next $10. So just to give you an example here, he has a $37 Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole will be $37 this year, 
$40 next year, rounds up to the next 10, and then $50 the year after that. He also has a $10 Randy Rosarena. $10 Randy Rosarena goes to $20 next year, and then $30, and then $40, and so on. So there's this weird thing where there's a big benefit to having a guy at like $9 or $19 or $29 versus 10 or 20 or 30, right? Like that extra dollar makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So with that, looking at what you've got in front of you, who do you think you would keep among these six? uh, What six players would you keep? So two right off the bat, Garrett Cole at $37, right? Because you only have to pay a $3 increase and Cole's a stud. I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, so that's a definite for me. And then I, you might disagree with me on this one. I'm I'm taking the $11 Hendricks because when he goes up to $20 next year, I might be okay with just cutting a closer anyway. Like I, like that, that should be easy to stomach. But with saves at such a premium and him being just so elite, I'm in there. I think Tucker I'm at $10. I'm fine with those two, but yeah. oh, that's what I was going to say. To me, Kyle Tucker at $10 is the... That's the obvious one. Like that's sure. a, yeah. he's, he's so inexpensive and yeah, he'll be 20 next year, but he'll be, like at this point in a, with the $225 cap and he's like, he was saying, he gave me as an example that he thinks that if he cuts Acuna, Acuna would be about $55 at auction if he's playing the full season and more like 45 if people think he's going to miss time. Mm-hmm. To me, that means that Tucker would go for at least 35 like if, yeah. if, a, if a full season Acuna is 55, a full season Tucker should be going for at least 35, if not more. So like that one is easy to me. I'm with you on Cole Hendricks. Hendricks to me seems like a fine option to keep, but I'm a little bit more torn depending on who else is in here. And, and I think there's some tough choices because some of the cheap players he has, because like I'm, I'm with you on Cole. I'm with you. I think, I think Acuna at 40, I'm still probably going to keep. But then, huh. like, he's got a $5 Andrew Vaughn, who I really like. He's got a $5 Hunter Renfro, who I think is is underpriced. $5 Logan Webb is a no-brainer to me. $5 Justin Verlander is probably a keep despite the age. And as I start to piece those together, then those more expensive guys, like, I don't know if I have room for them all. If I keep Cole, Tucker, Verlander, Webb, and then I've got to choose two more between Acuna, Hendricks, Belt, $10 Bellinger, $27 Springer, $5 Renfro. Like there's some guys that are that are tougher calls there. $5 yeah, Julio you know Rodriguez. I, I, so uh, the prospects I'm out on because, and that actually includes Vaughn, even though he's not a prospect anymore because they're both going to go up to 10 bucks next year. So they need to show a lot this year for me to, or at least enough for me to keep them next year. I forgot it's it's six by six and it saves plus holds. So that that takes out Hendricks without question. It also oh, explains good why. Good call. It also explains why he's only 11 bucks. $5 Web, I feel like you have to, you have to keep. You mentioned him. Five dollar Verlander. I think. I think I'm. I'm comfortable doing that. And twenty seven dollars Springer. Just because, like, I want to win, man. Like, uh, I, he's only going to go up to thirty next year, so he's kind of a two year player for me. And I think Springer's awesome. And I'm with you. I'd take the forty dollar Acuna. So I guess that leaves me with Cole Tucker, Webb Verlander, Springer, Acuna. and Acuna. Yeah, so yeah, those, so are, a lot those of, are your six. Yeah, man. I would have. Whew, I'm trying to figure out where I would fit Rodriguez or Vaughn in. And I, I might be willing to do something. So like, here's here's the other weird thing about this. If he thinks that Acuna is going to go for $45 at auction, he could keep, let's say, Vaughn at 
it doesn't matter who, you keep anyone, pay 45 for Acuna at auction, and Acuna will be $50 next year either way. <laughs> so part of me thinks that if he really believes Acuna is going to go for under 50 at auction, I would find somebody with with more cost upside to keep, but maybe there isn't someone. Maybe maybe Vaughn is too risky. Maybe Belt is too old. Maybe, you know, $10 a Rosarena. Maybe I want a $10 a Rosarena and a 45 yeah. or $50 Acuna instead of saving Acuna at 40. I'm not too big on a Rosarena. I mean, I see the logic there with Acuna. I just think the risk of losing a player of that cat. Like if you said try that tactic with Darvish, that I think that'd be a good idea, but I don't want to risk losing Acuna at auction and Got I don't it. know, it seems unlike you Chad to be to be trying to force Vaughn and, and Julio Rodriguez on your roster here because like in next let's say there you get them for five this year next year they're going to be 10 and you better hope they show something then because they're gonna be 20 the year after that and that's a that's a short timetable for these guys yeah. to, to show I, I'm with you on Rodriguez it's it's too quick for him I'm just I'm a big believer in Vaughn I think he showed me enough last year that I think I think he's worth ten dollars now and sure. so I'm not worried about him for next year and then if he just shows any improvement Right. I mean, part of it is better results, but then any improvement on top of better results, which I think will come anyways, then he'll be worth 20 the year after that. Whereas Acuna at 40, 50, 60 is starting to get iffy. That's a good point. And again, it's this does come down to do I believe do I believe that Acuna is going to be $50 next year, no matter what? Because if I think Acuna is going to be $50 next year, no matter what, although maybe that goes for Vaughn too. Like if he thinks Vaughn's going to go for less than $10. But there's a really big difference between $5 Vaughn and $10 Vaughn. And there's very little difference between a $40 Acuna and a $45 Acuna because of the structure of this league. So that's that to me is, is where it gets to be a tougher choice. But if you went Cole Tucker, Webb, Verlander, Springer, Acuna, I don't think you, I don't think you can go wrong with that. I think it's a totally reasonable set. Yeah, the the last thing I'd say to this to this manager is like figure out what your plan is because it uh, to me it's it's not going to make a whole lot of sense if you commit to a five dollar Verlander and then you take on you know Vaughn and Rodriguez. So you know what's what's the move for for twenty twenty two? Got it. I think it makes sense. So we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to switch topics and go th- back to our rankings list, talking catchers. We'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, welcome back. As we said, we're going to jump into our top 10 list, our next top 10 list. This is the catcher position. As we mentioned on our last episode, we are doing top 10s for keeper league. So it's not dynasty top 10. It's not redraft top 10. It's keeper top 10. We've been assuming that these are for leagues with a decent number of keepers. And, and the reason for that, again, is if you only have like three keepers in your league, then you basically are just u- using redraft rankings because your keepers are going to be your 
your redraft, <laughs> your top people. But in leagues where you might keep 8, 10, 12 players or where there's a significant cost to keeper and so the round where you get them in matters a lot, that's really what we're looking at because that's where a bunch of guys get pushed up. With that, I'm going to read through our top 10 lists and I'm going to read through, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I did last time. Last time we did it in chunks, but this time our lists are pretty different. So I'm going to read from top to bottom. So I'm going to start with Pete's top 10. Pete's top 10 keepers at the catcher position, Will Smith, number one, Salvador Perez, number two, Adley Rutschman, third. Dude hasn't even seen a major league pitcher yet. Already third. <laughs> JT Real Muto, fourth. Dalton Varsho, fifth. Wilson Contreras, sixth. Yasmani Grandal, seventh. Kiebert Ruiz, eighth. Tyler Stevenson, ninth. And you round it out at 10th with Joey Bart. My top 10, I had the same top two. I got Smith and then Perez, one, two. Then I had Real Muto, third. Varsho, fourth. Kirk, fifth. Alejandro Kirk. Rutschman, sixth. Wilson Contreras, seventh. Yasmani Grandal, eighth. Kiebert Ruiz, ninth. And Tyler Stevenson, tenth. Uh, to me, the place to start here is I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to come right at you and I want to know how Alejandro Kirk got left off your list. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. I think first of all, he has to get traded, right? I mean, Jansen was good down the stretch right now. Roster resource has him penciled in. I know not a lot of people are a big fan of Jansen, but he was solid. And then you've got Moreno lurking. He's one of the top prospects prospect catchers anyway in baseball so he's right there so you're, you're kind of hoping for a trade here uh for alejandro kirk and if he does get traded by the way reese mcguire is still lurking around there as well but if he does get traded he's a super young catcher so he's gonna have to get used to all new pitchers a whole new system completely get adjusted which we've seen guys have trouble with in the past and even if he is it isn't 100 certain that he's going to become a team's immediate everyday catcher so you know part of this was what's what's your job security what's your plate appearance is going to look like i think i think volume is so important for catchers it's why salvador perez yes he hit 48 home runs and he's awesome but like part of the reason why he's awesome home all those home runs and crazy season aside is the sheer amount of plate appearances i'm not convinced it's going to be there for kirk i think it's one of those situations where like yeah i see the upside and i do like him and if i somehow miss out on catchers and it's late in the draft i'll take a shot in the dark but I'm going to let someone else commit here on on Kirk. So, and my thing with Kirk, and and I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, and sort of your like that totally makes sense for why Kirk isn't at the top of your list, right? But I look at him compared to to Rutschman, and like I mean, just so we're clear, Kirk is younger than Adley Rutschman, almost a year younger. He's nine months younger, and was, you know, it was a limited sample size, but was a better hitter in AAA than Rutschman was last year. So like, I I don't know if this is like a, a crazy take or something like that, but like, I think Alejandro Kirk is a better hitter than Adley Rutschman. I don't think he's a better catcher. I don't think he's a better prospect, but I don't actually care about those things from a fantasy perspective. And I think he's the better hitter. And so, I mean, like Kirk last year, in the majors at age 22, had a 10.1% walk rate and an 11.6% strikeout rate. Adley in AAA had a 13% walk rate, which is a little bit better, and a 17.8% strikeout rate, which is a lot worse, despite being, again, almost a year older and facing AAA pitching instead of major league pitching. So like that to me, like I think, I think Kirk is the better hitter. I think there's a bigger question of 
when he takes a job full time, but I don't think there is any chance. Let's put it this way. I don't think there's any chance that going into next season, Kirk doesn't have a clear full time job either because he's won it in Toronto or because they've traded him and given it, you know, he's got the space there. And so like I've got Kirk six, six, one, two, three, four, five, fifth and Rutschman sixth. That isn't because I think Kirk gets more playing time this year. That's because I think he's the better long-term fantasy player. Wow. Better than Rushman. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I, well, I guess, you know, this, this is obviously kind of dovetailed into a conversation about Adley Rushman as well. I mean, I, I think Adley Rushman for the next five seasons, at least starting this year, probably longer is going to be one of the top three to five catchers in, in fantasy baseball. And it could get higher. I think the, uh, a lot of it you hear about the intangibles with him, like the leadership, the command he has over the team and, and everything else. And that, that goes all the way back to his days at Baylor. And I think that's going to warrant them keeping him in the lineup, even in days where he's not catching. So I think he's going to see some, some DH opportunities, particularly on that team where, you know, there's not a lot of hitting to go around, even though you and I, you know, are kind of on the, on the upswing with the Baltimore Orioles lineup. I think he's basically going to be an everyday player. And that's the first thing I want to see. Right. And I think it's a huge difference from Kirk as it stands right now is that like, yeah, Rushman hasn't been called up yet and he might not start with the team in April, but it's coming. And once he's up, he will be in there every day. And, you know, fielding doesn't matter for fantasy, but it kind of does for catchers because it means you see the field more. And Alejandro Kirk is not like some great, he's not even close. Adley Rushman, it could be a generational catcher. So like, yeah, they moved the fences back. And and to be clear, we made these rankings before they did that, but that wouldn't have affected this whatsoever. I just think, I, I think Rushman is, is destined to be a stud, you know, an American league buster posey and, and I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, and, and just to be clear, because having him third, I don't know, to some people that might be too low to other people that might be too high for me, it's weird having a prospect that high, even though I had Torkelson at first base, number five, it's just, it's the position. It's the position I've gone on this ramp before about guys who go over the age of 30 and a lot of the big names like all of a sudden Real Muto and, and Contreras are are guys who are going to be over 30. I just I'm, I'm ready for the next guy and Rushman just screams to me the next stud at catcher. So two two comments related to what you just said. One is Rushman played his college ball at Oregon State, which oh, I'm did I only say mentioning Sorry. because this guy named Jeff, who I know listens to our show regularly, who would be very, very, very upset to know. It was the colors. It was the green. (laughs) It was the green. That's not even the right Oregon school, man. Yeah. Oregon State, (laughs) orange. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's even worse. (laughs) Sorry. Jeff's going to come for you. But uh, Jeff, I sincerely apologize. But I do love you, boy. (laughs) But here is where I think you may be right to have Rutschman ahead of Kirk, is that Rutschman's defense and the role he plays means that he will have catcher eligibility for the next decade. I am banking, and this is maybe not fair, but I am banking on Kirk being the kind of guy who is a regular DH who plays enough backup catcher to hold eligibility. If he doesn't and he becomes a DH, then obviously he doesn't belong in this list that high, right? He's not a catcher anymore. But I think that he will definitely be a catcher this year. He'll definitely be a catcher next year. And I think that he'll hold that long enough to continue to be valuable. So that that is that is the big risk I think I'm taking with Kirk. But I think I think he'll be a better hitter than Adley Rutschman. Not to to pile on anymore on just these two players, although they they do tend to be the most polarizing, I think, on our list. 
Does does size and frame matter to you, particularly for such a demanding position? Like I know you're kind of banking on him moving off of catcher and just keeping eligibility, but when we talk about Kirk, he's five foot eight, two hundred sixty five pounds. Adley Rushman is a is a boy. I mean, he's a, a man. He's six two, two twenty. That like like he's gonna like you said, he's gonna stick. He's got a frame. He's got the look. Kirk, that that kind of worries me. I mean, it's, that's a, that's a small stout frame. And I don't know how well that that's going to hold up, especially if we're talking. I mean, we are, we have to talk about it. We're talking about keeper leagues, long-term investments. Yeah, it's a fair question. I'm not that worried about it. I I think especially a catcher where that, where, where the size can actually hurt you because of the extra strain it puts in your knees and stuff. I I just, I find it hard to sort of predict how catchers are going to, going to age from that perspective, which is like if we were making an overall list, all of these guys would be lower (laughs) than they look right now because I'm just not that fond of catchers in keeper leagues. Right. I mean, I think that's, and maybe that's something worth talking about quickly is like given the choice to invest in catcher versus any other position, how like do you discount catchers pretty significantly in terms of keeper rankings overall? I do. Yeah. I, so I have to make a decision in, in one of my leagues. I'm keeping Chris Sale. Maybe this isn't this isn't going to be crazy to you. I'm keeping Chris Sale over Salvador Perez. And I think to a lot of people that would be crazy, actually, because Salvador Perez is going in the second round of drafts. And I I, I just find that kind of crazy. And and obviously, with this being a keeper format, Perez a little bit older, I'm, I'm keeping Sale over him. So I would say, yes, I'm lower on catchers than most. Yeah, I think that makes sense. To be clear, so, sorry, when it comes to keeper leagues, I, you, as you know, I'm still investing in catcher much earlier in drafts this year. So let's let's talk a little bit about drafts in general and, and looking at this versus a redraft list. So how much does this list change? I mean, I think some of these are, are, are somewhat obvious, right? It, Kirk and Rutschman have to be lower in, in redraft because there's playing time questions that, you know, we don't know. How who else are you moving? Like, are you switching Smith and Perez as your one and two? Does does someone like Varsho move down? Does Kiebert Ruiz move down? Like, who else moves up or down for you if this is a redraft? I, so, I mean, I guess just get rid of Bart. I, I'd move Rushman down to probably right in front of Ruiz, and then I I don't know if I'd change anything. I mean, I I guess I would take and redraft Perez over Smith. Sure. But I, I say that like almost like a waste of time because I'm never going to have Salvador Perez this year. Yeah, the so, price is just too high. Right. But I mean, all things being equal, if I got to the fifth round, wanted to take a catcher and and both Smith and Perez were there, I would obviously, you know, take Perez for 2022. But otherwise, no, it's a good point you're making. It, it really doesn't change much. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm looking maybe Dalton Varsho a little bit lower, but add, but then the speed. So I don't think anything changes. I, so that's what I was about to say. I, I might move Varsho Varsho, I moved up because of his keeper value. And so I, I think he'd probably be like, I'm just looking. My my four or five, six are Varsho, Kirk, Rutschman. And then I've got Contreras and Grandal before them. I might just move Contreras ahead of that trio and go Contreras fourth and then Varsho, Varsho, Kirk, Rutschman, and then Grandal and Ruiz and Stevenson, something like that. It, but it wouldn't be super, super different. And part of that is, like I was saying, I downgrade catchers so much in keeper leagues anyways mm-hmm. that I'm, I just don't value their future production quite as much. So I want to talk quickly about Joey Bart because you mentioned that he's the guy who would sort of fall off your top 10. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. And so I'm going to throw out some names of some catcher prospects that are out there 
Uh, MJ Melendez with the Royals, Gabriel Moreno with the Jays, Luis Camposano. Maybe he's not a prospect anymore, but he feels like he is. No, I think he still is. The Padres, William Contreras. You got guys like Cal Raleigh who came up last year. Contreras also came up last year who are still serving that. Like, how do you view Bart versus those guys? Because obviously you have him much higher. Part of that is that he's got a clear role right now and those guys don't. But he also has – he's looked pretty lost against major league pitching and his – like his AAA numbers are more good than great. There's a lot of strikeouts in there. I don't know. I, I have some concerns about Barton. I'm sort of curious to know, like, if you knew that Melendez was on the same timeline as him, if you knew that Moreno was on the same timeline as Bart, does he stay above them? No, he definitely doesn't. But like, it, it just comes back to our conversation of like, it's weighing, it's weighing the future production less. And even though that sounds weird for someone like Bart, he's right now slated to be their starting catcher with the pedigree of somebody who went as the second overall pick in just 2018. So like there's this possibility that he kind of breaks out. Maybe he hits 20 homers, keeps a batting average afloat and he's a pretty solid catcher for a few years. And because I see that in him and I don't, I don't know the timeline for those other names. I I, I had to put somebody down. And so I ended up with him, Uh, but it's, it's less an endorsement and Joey Barton. It's more just a statement on the position. Yeah, and it's a fair statement on the position. I, I think I agree. I think Melendez in particular is just super intriguing to me. I mean, you look at what he did last year in AAA as a 22-year-old, a 17.4% walk rate and a 21.2% strikeout rate is a, is a pretty great plate discipline base. And then he had a 31% home run per fly ball rate in AAA. It was 27.7% during his time in AA. He, across AA and AAA last year in about 530 plate appearances had 41 home runs. So Melendez is super interesting to me. He got some time at third base last year. And so like, I think the, I think the Royals are trying to figure out how to get his bat into the lineup. And I would be, I would be watching him very, very closely. Cause I think there's a chance that he plays almost a Varsho like role. He is nothing like Varsho. Like they're not similar players by any means, but I think Varsho's role in, in Arizona is likely to be starting center fielder slash backup catcher slash maybe occasional DH if they get the DH in the NL. And I think Melendez could easily be a guy who like becomes sort of a super util guy, play some outfield, play some third base DH is fairly regularly and then backs up Perez as their catcher. And if we start to like, if that looks, if that looks like it's likely to be the case, he jumps up this list for me quite a bit, certainly ahead of, as I'm pulling up my list again, like certainly ahead of Stevenson and Ruiz at the bottom of my list. And, and probably ahead of Grandal because of his age. Like, I, like, I just think right now we need to see what Melendez can do. And so I have some questions from that perspective, but boy, I'm excited about that bat. Yeah, I don't I don't really disagree with any of that. I don't think I'd push him above Grandal just yet. I think, you know, Grandal in terms of like plate discipline and stuff like that had one of his best seasons last year. So and Steamer's still pretty favorable. 127 games, 26 homers. Varsho's interesting to me if if we're ready to transition the conversation there. Because I, just so much of him is is reliant upon volume, right? Like we we love him because 
as you said, and I agreed with your assessment, he's probably the starting center fielder, backup catcher, maybe see some time at DH if they get it. But we're really all in on him based on like this hot streak that he had. And it was a really hot streak. I mean, he was hitting homers unlike he had ever done before in his professional career. If he slumps at all, like he did when he first came to the majors, that situation could get ugly, especially considering his ADP. So I'm hesitant on part. Like, yes, he could steal way more bags than your typical catcher, you know, like real Muto level bags, maybe a little bit more. I, I could see him being like a 20 stolen base type guy. But that really depends on him getting the at-bats, getting the plate appearances. I mean, obviously, it's fortunate that he's on Arizona where the alternatives really aren't that great. But Carson Kelly's a good catcher. And if they decide they need to put Cattell Marte back in center field, like what happens to Dalton Varsho? So I I hesitantly ranked him there. Yeah, I think the thing with Varsho is even if he is a part-time player, Right, like Steamer's projecting like 400 plate appearances, 16 home runs, seven stolen bases, 254 average. There were only 15 catchers who got 400 plate appearances last year. It's a good point. And only seven of them had more than 16 home runs. And none of them had more than four stolen bases, let alone the seven that he's projected for. And only seven of them had over a 254 average. So you're talking about a guy who would be a top 10 catcher in average, a top 10, uh, the the number one catcher by far in stolen bases, a top 10 catcher in home runs, and potentially hit near the top of the lineup where he could be one of the top catchers in terms of runs and RBIs. And so in terms of sort of that five category production, he doesn't have to actually produce the like 160 starts, 650 plate appearances type volume. He could get there in 400 450 plate appearances. And I just can't like, yes, he might slump and he might lose the job, right? There is the risk he loses the job. But if he is performing even a little bit well, like why would they bench him? What are, what are they benching him for? They have, right. <laughs> I mean, like, so I, I think he's an, I think he's a pretty safe bet to be a valuable catcher because he just doesn't have to, like, he doesn't have to be that much better than he's been. He doesn't even have to keep up that power pace, right? Last year, he had 11 home runs and 315 plate appearances. Like He doesn't need to be on a, a 25, 20, 25 home run pace. He just needs to hit for a little bit of power and steal a few bases and hit for a decent average, and he's a top 10 catcher. Yeah, I guess that I, that's why this conversation is so weird to me to begin with is that it's such a such a lame position. The one, one like sneaky thing that could happen is Alec Thomas is obviously pretty good. He's on his way. He was a triple A last year. He is a center fielder. And, you know, the obvious solution, well, maybe, you know, Varsha just moves to one of the corner outfield spots, but they love David Peralta and they've got Pavin Smith, Pavin Smith in the other corner. Both those guys, you know, produce. So uh, it's just a, a tiny bit murky of a situation for me. It's not completely. He's definitely the starter in center field and 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 the volume appears like it's going to be there. So that's why I'm in and I probably will have Varsha in a few leagues this year. I just I've seen a lot, a lot of hype as we get closer to draft season, just because it, it seems like it's just because it's a catcher who could steal bases. And I guess the way you just described it made me feel better, but I'm still not all in on Varsho. It's just more the position, kind of like with Joey Bart. Makes sense. So let's uh we talked prospects. Let's go through a couple of sort of sleepers, flyers, catchers that were outside our top ten who I think are 
at least somewhat interesting. And and for me, these guys, I'm gonna, I've got a list of four names I want to sort of quickly go through, and then we can talk about them a bit. Very different names. So the first guy, Mitch Garver, he's going outside the top 200, and he was a stud last year. He just didn't play enough, and he was an actual stud in 2019. And so I, I think, like, if you told me at the end of this year, just for this year, he was a top five catcher, that, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't think you have to pay that price for him. I don't think you should pay that part price for him. There's a lot of risk there. But for a guy who's going outside the top 200, like that's, there's a lot of upside there. Sean Murphy is a guy who I was really high on last year. And he's he didn't have a great season. And now he's going 245th-ish overall at NFBC. And like another guy who I think it's, it's different than Garver because Garver is a little bit older. There's I think there's a chance he isn't around as a, a stud for long. Murphy is the kind of guy who, if he breaks out, will be in a top 10 keeper league discussion for next year because he's still got some some years ahead of him. And then Francisco Mejia actually hit pretty well last year in a limited role for Tampa Bay. And I'm not sure how much I believe in Zanino to just continue to do nothing but bash home runs. And so... I'm sort of, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know that I want to like completely bank on Mejia, but as a, in a league where you need a second catcher, you need to get him late. Like I think he's real interesting. And then I have to mention Gary Sanchez. I I know all the warts. I know all the risks with him. I know all the, the strikeout issues and the fact that he hasn't been very good. Sanchez is still maybe the second most likely catcher to hit 30 home runs. Right. I mean, like Sal Perez would be your first bet. Maybe you'd say Zunino could do it again. Like, but like Gary Sanchez could become a perennial 30 home run hitter again at any time. And I'm I'm not banking on it. I don't want to pay for it. It's not worth a lot. But in a keeper setting, as a guy who I could potentially get late, like he's going 255th right now. So you're telling me I can get a guy in the 21st round who could who could hit 30 home runs as a catcher and become a keeper for me at a 20 whatever 20th round price for next year that's that's pretty intriguing i just don't want to bank on it yeah i think those are all fair assessments i think mcgarver and and sanchez like they make my list disingenuous at least with joey bart because to be honest with you in a keeper league i think i'd rather just draft sanchez or mitch garver and then just not keep them does that make sense whereas i felt like i had to like somebody who i would even consider keeping put down Joey Bart, but I'm, I'm very big on, on Mitch Garver. And I do find it hard to quit Gary Sanchez because of the reasons you listed. And like, yeah, he's going to strike out a lot and he's going to bat for low average. So is like every other catcher after like the seventh one. So is it really that big of a deal? I'd rather take the guy who plays with the short porch in Yankee stadium. It's just like that all of a sudden his job's at, at risk, right? So that that's a little bit concerning there. Murphy and Mejia, I, I'm less enthusiastic on. You know, Mejia, I think he's going to have to become a better catcher, especially for the Rays if he wants to continue to get that play time. And they're just crowded everywhere else. So like, it's not like he can go take DH or something like that. Sean Murphy, I, I'm just, I guess I'm tired of waiting, even though he's super young. I, I don't like the stadium. They're completely rebuilding, blowing everything up. I think there's a chance he's the last man standing. And so... I don't know how much volume would be there, but Garver and Sanchez definitely are good calls there. They they really make my 10th ranking of Joey Bart quite disingenuous. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're talking about the warts on Sanchez, but like what he's capable of, the number five catcher 
on the Rasball Player Raider last year was Mike Zunino. Zunino in 109 games, 375 plate appearances, had 33 home runs, 64 runs, 62 RBIs, a 216 average. Yeah. If that's good enough to be the fifth catcher, Gary Sanchez could be a top five catcher. Absolutely. Mitch Garver could be a top five catcher, right? Like it doesn't take a whole lot to do it. Uh, on Murphy, I, I agree with you. I'm tired of waiting. And so I'm, I'm like, he went from a guy who last year I was really pushing as a sleeper to a guy who this year I'm more like, eh, if he's available and I need another right. catcher, sure. He's still only 27. Catchers sometimes break out late. And I think there's a very good chance he is not in Oakland by the time we get to opening day. And he gets real interesting if he gets outside that park. I mean, he had a, a 112.8 max exit velocity last year. That wasn't just the the new ball or the mixed ball or whatever it was. He was 112.5 the year before. He's got a barrel rate. He was His barrel rate was 12.7% in 2020, 11.3% in 2021. Like this is a guy who, who hits the ball hard. He's got a strikeout in the mid-20% range, strikeout rate in the mid-20%s, and that's that's a little high. But in 2020, he walked 17.1% of the time. Now, he didn't do that last year. It was down to 8.9%. But, you know, if he can get back to like a 10 to 12% walk rate and keep that strikeout rate where it is and get out of Oakland where his barrel rate actually matters, <laughs> like, I, I still think there's some real upside there. I'm talking about, now I'm like, now I'm talking myself more into Warren that actually I should be buying in on Sean Murphy. <laughs> I'm going to make some mistakes because of this. The Red Sox fan of me is wondering if they'd have interest. They need a change of the guard at catcher. As you know, I've felt that way for quite some time now. And yeah, Murphy would make a ton of sense for them. Yeah, he really would. I think, and look, I mean, as a, as a guardians fan, like he is a Murphy is a solid defensive catcher who has a, a, I believe a pretty good reputation for handling a rotation, which is something that that really matters to Cleveland. And he would be a huge, huge offensive upgrade over Austin Hedges, even if he isn't good. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be better than he was. So that's very accurate. I, I'm really, really intrigued by him. I I hope he gets traded. I, I think he's like. He's a solid defender who hits the ball hard and has a pretty good arm strength. Like it's just everything, everything about him points to him being a good catcher who's ready to break out. And I, I was sure of that last year. I was very disappointed with his season. Yeah, I don't know. At twenty-seven years old, maybe, maybe this is it. He's he's entering his prime, right? In theory, ideally, yeah. If he gets <laughs> traded to a place like Boston, I think that that you're going to have to draft him a lot earlier than he's going now. It goes without yeah. saying, but like given the position, I think the in the hype a lot earlier. Any other names, the catcher position you think we, we should talk about anyone we missed, man. I mean, we talked about Zunino and, and, and some of these like reliable names in the past, I guess it's more of like a philosophy thing of like, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with waiting until I can just grab a Christian Vasquez or just grab a Mike Zunino. Like I want somebody good. And yes, that's been my stance on redraft, but clearly my staff and my stance on redraft is not very different than my stance on keeper leagues, just like you. I guess one name that I'm kind of keeping an eye on is Austin Nola. He's my catcher too in a league already. He showed a lot of potential, even though he was kind of a late breakout, ends up getting traded to San Diego, continued to perform, and then he just really dealt with injuries. But when he was healthy, he was still getting on base at a decent clip. And, you know, if you're stuck looking for a catcher too, he's kind of like the name that I've been looking for. 
But in terms of any name that could sneak into the top 10, I don't know. I think we covered them all. Yeah, I think the one other name I'll throw out there is Elias Diaz with Colorado. Mm -hmm. But that only works in leagues where you can platoon him and only use him at home because he was really, really good at cores and really, really bad on the road. Yeah, And so if you can balance that, I think he's sort of an interesting name. But yeah, I mean... I don't know. I mean, the, the other guys were like, like Max Stassi is kind of interesting. Danny Jansen was pretty good down the stretch. I, I just, there's like, I'm, I'm throwing out these names, not because I'm excited by them, but be, to point out like, those are your alternatives and I'm not excited about them. Right. <laughs> so right. it's a, the catcher position. I feel like at the top, the catcher position is more fun and interesting than it's been in a little while, but man, it drops off in a hurry. And then you're left with a lot of bad choices. And, and that's why I, you and I have talked about this numerous times this off season, like, I used to just think, you know, there's two good catchers. Everyone else is terrible. So I'll just wait and take a, whatever's the last terrible catcher standing. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think there's a good six-ish good catchers, interesting catchers, um, even for redraft. And, and more than that, if you're looking at, at keeper leagues. And I want one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we kind of end with this. I, I assume you know who Phil Dussault is. Yeah. So he, he, I mean, for our listeners, I mean, if you've obviously heard of him, he won over $300,000 in fantasy baseball last year. And uh, he was on fantasy baseball today. And it, it was refreshing how, and I, I'm not trying to undermine, obviously, what this guy does. But it was refreshing how, like, back to basics, he kind of took it. And he talked about catcher really quickly. And it was like, well, when and this was back when he was playing earlier years ago, if I remember the podcast correctly, and I certainly don't want to misquote him, but it was something like, well, when I looked at the positions and where the drop-offs were, you know, the differences between the best and the next best, the catcher was there, so I wanted to get an early catcher. And it was like, you know, like people have been battling that conversation with catcher and battling that conversation with with tight end and all sorts of things, but like sometimes it really is that simple. And the difference between having a JT Real Muto and a Salvador Perez or a Sean Murphy and a Christian Vasquez, like it's massive. So I'm done being the Christian Vasquez guy. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's the right answer. And I think at the catcher position, it's another reason why, while I do downgrade catchers for keepers because their their careers are shorter and they tend to fall off and there's all sorts of risk there. If you can get a Will Smith, if you can get a Dalton Varsho and he, he breaks out, if you can get an Adley Rutschman and he's as good as we think, Having that problem off your plate, even oh, for a couple of years, it's huge. is so nice. So that is why those guys got pushed up my list as much as they did. So thank you all for listening. As a reminder, you can subscribe to us at Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you can subscribe to podcasts. Make sure to leave us ratings and reviews. Give us a follow on Twitter at Keep or Cut. We will do more mailbags like we did in the first half of this episode. So if you follow us, you'll see those questions go out. You can also follow Pete at Pete B Baseball. You can find me at Chad Young. Yeah, love to hear from you. Want to hear your questions. Want to know what you want to hear in the show. So, so hit us up and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.